Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. Hey everyone, how you doing? Uh, Steve Taylor here with MSP Webinars, and we have a really cool webinar today. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, processes and procedures with service delivery, and I've got two really great guys to help do that. Uh, first, um, I assume he's on my right, Todd Kane. Can you wave to the to your to your adoring fans, Todd? Todd <laughs> is from. Uh, the great country of Canada. So he's obviously a really nice guy, uh, very apologetic, and, and will just go out of his way to do anything for people. Uh, he, he did own an MSP, and now he does a lot of consulting for MSPs. And he can tell you guys more about that. We also have Paul Vetter, and uh, he's, he's the other one. Um, <laughs> 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 now, Paul, Paul's the managing director of VXIT, and uh, I had an opportunity to actually meet with Paul a couple months ago now. When when I was at Autotask Community Live, he popped down. He's he's not actually an Autotask user. He's he's from the dark side, but uh, it's okay. We like Paul anyway. Um, so I I just want to kind of dive right in because we have a ton of content that I'd love to go over. Um, Paul, can you just kind of give some extra background about yourself and yeah. then we'll, we'll have Todd do the same. Yeah, for sure. So um, I am the uh, managing director of VXIT. We're based in West Palm Beach, Florida, and um, we're about um, technically four years old. Um, the first year was us kind of being birthed out of our sister company, uh, Levitas. They're a hundred person marketing firm and software development firm. So um, they got to a point where they actually needed IT services and they said, Hey, instead of, hiring an IT company, let's start one. So my business partner, Craig, moved down from Jersey. Um, he's actually the uh, cousin of the owner of Levitas. So Chris, the owner of Levitas, called him, said, hey, come down, let's start this thing. So Craig, his first year was basically just getting Levitas squared away. At that point, they were a 60-person company that really didn't have a solid IT presence. So they had just experienced data loss. Um, they were feeling the pains of not uh, partnering with a good um, IT company. So Craig kind of got us squared away, and I came on in January 2015 and um, so three years ago it was uh, it was Craig and I and um, just hired our ninth person and uh, we're on track to do uh, probably just north of 1.1 million in revenue uh, this year so just about three years um, going from zero to, to nine people and it's been really interesting we're at a really good um, spot um, we've grown really quickly and uh, it's I like talking about this topic specifically uh, because of the point that we're at we're finding ourselves having to be very um, pointed in what we do as far as automation and uh, with the PSA, the RMM and, and things like that, which we'll obviously talk about. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a little bit about me. I've been in IT professionally for over 10 years. I've done a little bit of everything in IT, um, I'm kind of a uh, jack of all trades, master of none sort of thing. <laughs> so. Wrong with that. <laughs> um, Todd, why don't you give us a little more background? 
Sure. Uh, so caveat, uh, I'm, I don't currently run an MSP. Uh, I uh, used to run an MSP, but kind of have a, a fairly uh, typical background that people may be familiar with. I was the neighborhood nerd that uh, loved computers and hung out in the basement, uh, clicking away and got my first start building uh, custom boot disks so I could play games on the PCs. And then uh, inevitably neighbors uh, got wind of the, the, the computer whiz in the neighborhood. Uh, so I was helping them and then they had businesses and asked me to help them out there. So uh, before I kind of realized it, I actually had a consulting company before I graduated school and was doing uh, uh, support for the environments that I was actually attending school in, uh, both uh, high school as well as uh, college. Uh, so moved on from there and uh, spent a lot of time mostly in the professional service industry and working for some of the bigger consulting groups in Canada uh, through some high growth stages. So learned a ton uh, through the boom era and then uh, moved out to Vancouver and uh, started working with uh, Chris Day at Fully Managed, so which uh, some people may be familiar with. So I was essentially running the day-to-day -day operations for Fully Managed for Chris um, and learned a ton there. Super smart guy. He was off building IT glue, but still participated a lot in the, the work that we were doing on the, on the managed service side. So uh, just kind of taking that collective experience that I've learned both in the PS delivery side as well as the MSP side. And now I own my, my own consulting company working with IT providers to kind of take those best practices uh, what works well in the industry, both from service and operation, as well as uh, how you manage people and the business side of things and uh, bringing those lessons to other people uh, in the industry. Awesome. Very awesome. Uh, well, thanks so much for doing this, guys. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure everyone watching does too. Um, I'm just going to kind of dive right into some of these questions first. I know Todd, uh, Todd actually came prepared, uh, prepared with some slides. So I am going to let him do those in a little bit, but I just want to, I just want to start tackling some of these questions. Um, anyone that has questions, feel free to toss them in the chat. I will do my best to read those out loud for you guys. So uh, it's, it's easier for anyone watching this later uh, without the chat. It, it has a little bit of context. Um, <clears throat> so I, I just want to know, um, how do you guys educate your clients the appropriate ways to get help? And by that, I, I really mean like, you know, how do you make sure they're, they're creating the service requests the way you want it done and not just sending you Facebook messages and individual <laughs> technician emails and texting your cell phone and whatever else you don't want them to do? Yeah, so um, we, one of the things that I, I'm glad I brought this with me, because I'm actually on site at a client now in Franklin, Tennessee at the moment, so I'm actually not in my office, uh, which is why it says uh, somebody else's name behind me, but um, I actually made up these cards, and they've been, it's, it was such a simple thing, but it was, it, it worked out very well, and everybody's loved them, so I'm going to try to hold this up as as best as I can. So they're a little, little card. I got them printed. I've got the Windows OS X shortcuts on there. Something oh, a little fun sharp. there. That's cool. Yeah. So it's literally our phone number and our, our uh, email. And one of the things, and there's the back. So as we look forward to serving you, um, one of the things that we do is we put this on everybody's desk and we just kind of hand them out like candy. Um, and the reason is because most people will write uh, an email or a phone number on a sticky note anyways and stick it on their monitor. So that's been a really, really good tool, and I highly recommend um, 
going with that. And I think uh, I just saw a question, what, what print company I used. I want to say it was like Vistaprint or something like that. But um, super, super helpful to have something like this, just as a reminder, um, because in our, uh, in our company, we have a saying, and uh, we're, on, we're on ConnectWise. We use ConnectWise for our PSA. And the saying goes, uh, if it's not in ConnectWise, it didn't happen. So mm-hmm. everything and anything goes into ConnectWise, no excuses. That is just what we have to do. And, you know, I have to get creative sometimes because I have business owners texting me and, and um, you know, calling my cell phone. And I, I have to very gently reminder, remind them. And uh, you, you have to walk the balance. Um, but I, I have to gently remind them that, hey, the best way to get support is, uh, you know, through support at VXIT.com or our main phone number. So I think um, just over communicating um, to uh, your clients is super important. Um, and, and, and give them the reason why, you know, I, I tell them straight up, I said, Hey, we love to track everything that we do. So all of our notes and all of our time is tracked back in ConnectWise. That way I can report to the business, you know, how you guys are doing or how much time we're spending on your environment. So I use that kind of as an excuse to redirect them. Um, and it, it, it's worked out in the, uh, you know, in the past and, and I still get some business owners that like to hit me up and depending on who it is, how big of a client it is, I'll, I'll kind of triage some things, but I always point them back to the service desk. Anything and everything should go through um, the support department, so. Now, do you have anything on the back of that? I saw the front and the inside. Is there anything that's on like the back? Yeah, so that's the front. So it's just our logo it says we look forward okay. to serving you. Yeah. So, so I wonder if it would be even cooler if you instead of and I just grabbed something random from, yeah. a, from a trade show, I wonder yeah. if it would be even cooler to have it be sideways, so okay. that way, and then somehow get like some sticky two yeah. two tape or something on the so monitor. They can stick it on the side of the monitor, yeah. see the phone number and email, and then they can open it up and see those shortcut codes that no one yeah. ever remembers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's been good, and a lot of people do tape them to their monitors. Um, but I, I know it's, again, it's such a simple thing, but it, it, and I don't even know where I came up with the idea. I just, I saw, I was looking at a sticky note on somebody's monitor one time and I was like, holy crap, we should print out a little support card and have our phone number and our email address. Cause we constantly have to remind people to, Hey, that's the way that you need to get help. So. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And, uh, I agree. Uh, Patrick in the chat just said mouse pads are two nineteen ninety nine, right? Uh, <laughs> Thought I, about it. I don't use a mouse yeah. pad. I mean, it could be because I, I literally still use a trackball, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's cordless. I mean, it's a new okay. one. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know they made those still. <laughs> yeah. It's a Logitech. I love it. Nice. Uh, how about you, Todd? Do you have any uh, any different methods of making sure people are using the right contact info? Yeah, I love the the idea of the tent card. I think that's perfect. Uh, agree, the mouse pads are dated. Um, it's it's uh, also puts brand recognition in front of the clients as well, so they mm-hmm. they remember the company that they're dealing with. It's not just sort of the the IT company or the uh, the you know the tech guys. They, they'll actually remember the name. So that's helpful as well from a branding rec- recognition standpoint. Um, I think it really starts a lot on the onboarding. So uh, one of the things that, that I like to see done is, is through the onboarding phase that you actually do um, client training sessions. So you get as many people as you can in a brown bag and a lunch session, or if you want to bring lunch, even better. 
and just sit people down and tell them who you are, what you do, how to actually engage you and support. And then you can actually have uh, a canned recorded version of that that you can uh, spit back to people if, they, if there's either problems or a lot of questions. Uh, someone mentioned Desk Director as well. I really like Desk Director um, because one of the things that the small features that, that I really love about it is that it gives a visual representation of the, uh, the, the ticket entries. So it kind of has this little race screen saying this is when you entered your ticket and then this is when it was acknowledged, this is when it went into process and now they're waiting on you. So that visual representation of, of the tickets is, is really handy. Um, plus, if people are electronically submitting tickets, you're going to be able to produce a higher volume of work. So the more time that people are spending on the phone, it's going to be a little more, uh, it's a little less efficient than by email or by chat. So you can handle two, two maybe three chats at a time realistically. Um, but, you know, if someone calls and you're just stuck kind of talking to one person. Um, so that can be a cultural training thing as well. Uh, but I, I like the, the electronic uh, uses of, uh, of support a little better for just for the, the management of the, of the ticket flow. Um, and then um, Paul was mentioning some of the VIPs usually like to step past the, the guidelines sometimes. Uh, so I, I usually suggest uh, service first is important. So yes, you want to service them, but you need to make them aware, hey, in the future, like uh, I usually say, uh, I'm going to make a ticket for you right now. So make it clear that you're making a ticket for them, that yes. you're not just going to go jump back there and tell someone to work on something. Mm -hmm. Say, yeah. okay, this time I'll make a ticket for you. But in the future, I really suggest you reach out to the service desk first because I may be in a meeting or something and may not be able to get on top of this. So it feels like it's faster to talk to me, but it's actually not. And if there's an yeah. issue, you can ask for an escalation. And so if it, just tell the technician that you know, either you're upset or this is really urgent and you want to talk to me or talk to someone more senior, by all means, do that, right? So service first, and then if they start to abuse it, then you can have a follow-up conversation with them and say, look, you know, we need to follow some of the rules here. If there's uh, exceptions, that's fine. But if you just scream like chicken little, no one's going to continue listening to you and get upset, right? Yeah. One of the things that we actually do for that, um, and on the card, I'll try to hold this up. So I have actually put for emergency support call. So I don't want them calling every time, you know, they have a, a minor issue necessarily. So um, just putting that, 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 that wording in there. So if, if it's an emergency, you know, call us. If, if not, just send us an email, we'll get back to you. And we have, um, you know, we set up uh, ConnectWise to ping us basically um, at 30 minutes. So when a user submits a ticket, It'll ping us at 30 minutes and saying, hey, you know, we're approaching an hour here, but basically our SLA, our guaranteed response time for our users is one hour. So once you submit a ticket, you're going to hear from somebody with under, in under an hour, and usually it's like 10 to 15 minutes. We'll, we'll at least get a response to them. Won't necessarily fix, the, fix their issue, but they'll get that automated response first, and then somebody will reach out to them, you know, within, within the hour. Yeah, I agree. SLAs are super key for that reason. Um, I got a really long blog post on my page if you want to check it out about SLAs. The, the, it buys you a lot of grace, right? People think of it as something to defend the contract and realistically it's more about setting expectations. And if people find that you actually adhere or exceed the SLAs on a regular basis, they're going to be a lot less concerned. 
Uh, mm -hmm. So it, the, the proof is in the pudding. So you can tell yeah. them like, these are our response times and this is how quickly we'll fix something. And they may not really believe you until you start doing it. So certainly yeah. when someone comes on right away, you want to amp up support. So maybe all tickets are, pri are priority two for a period of time type thing, uh, just to really uh, shine for them and set an expectation that this, this is a high level of service that you're going to get. So by all means, call us, right? Because their previous provider, it was probably painful to get a, high, a hold of IT. They would send an email and then maybe two days later, someone would respond to them and say, yeah, we'll try and get there tomorrow, right? So if you're doing a, a high class service uh, MSP and have a high response ratio and just getting back to people is so important. Uh, you know, it is. The response, automated response from the ticket doesn't count as acknowledgement. It's, yeah. it, it at least maybe tells someone that it didn't go in a black hole. We got your ticket. Yeah. But until they hear from someone saying, hey, got your ticket, uh, I'm going to assign a tech. He should be getting back to you within an hour. All of yeah. a sudden, they're off, the, off your back for an hour, right? And if you call back in 45 minutes, say, hey, we're kind of busy. There's not sure um, uh, what this is going to look like. And would you mind if we call you at 11 instead? They'll, they'll say, okay. And if you continue to kick it back, then they'll get frustrated. But that's different than just logging a ticket. Four hours later, they've not heard from you. They're going to be mad, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so for just sure. stay in constant communication with the person. It'll buy you a lot of grace. Yeah. So I want our support team to reach out um, at least once a day. So if a ticket is sitting there without a response for a day or more than a day, you know, we've, we've kind of lost that battle. So that's, that's what we tell our team is, you know, get to them within an hour, just, just reach out. All you've got to do is communicate to people. Like you don't have to fix their problems. And, and it's such, I, I think it's counterintuitive because we think that we have to reach out and fix their problem. But if we just communicate, everything is fine. Like it does, you can, you can mess up. You can say, Hey, I can't get to you for a week. You know, obviously that's, that's overkill, but if you just communicate, that's key. That's, that's all you have to do is communicate. Yep. Now, what, what about a smaller shop? Uh, like, like me, for example, I'm, I'm a one person MSP. Mm -hmm. Um, is it, is it wrong for me to set up I use Autotask. Is it wrong for me to set up Autotask to have workflow roles that automatically send out, hey, you know, I, I got your ticket. I plan on getting back to you within uh, X minutes, you know, whether that's 30 or 60 or whatever your SLA says. And then if you've gotten to that, you know, 45 minute mark, then have a new workflow kickoff that says, I'm really sorry, I'm super busy or whatever you want to word it as. Uh, can you give me another two hours to get back to you? Yeah. And, you know, that kind of like, is, is that just really bad? I don't think so. I think, I think it's fair. You have to work with what you have, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, I think the more canned the responses look like. So if they come in like a ticket template, people usually don't read those things. Uh, so that can be problematic. I think if you're, uh, if you send uh, just an email um, just to let them know, uh, then that that's probably appropriate as well. But I think it, you have to monitor what the feedback is from the clients. So if mm -hmm. your clients, that's the expectation that they have and they're not too fussed about it. If most of the time you get back to them and then on occasion they get an email to push a ticket back, then maybe they're not that upset, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I see that Matthew's saying he's a one-man shop and he doesn't do SLA for that reason. So I, I'm kind of... Um, we, we, I wasn't in that position. So Craig and I kind of started out um, together. So it was the two of us. So we, we had a little bit of a, of a head start uh, above you, Stephen. So it wasn't just, you know, Craig, Craig was alone 
um, by himself for a year. So mm -hmm. um, he, he had a little bit of that experience, but he wasn't trying to juggle too many clients because we didn't have that many at the time. It was, it was mostly our sister company. But um, I would say that you, you almost move as a one-man shop. And again, this is me just thinking about it. Um, you you kind of go, you're a consultant. Yeah, you're an MSP, but it's, I think it's a different level when you're a one-man shop. And then once you get to a two-man shop, you can have that, um, you know, you know, that SLA in there or whatever. But um, I would even say if I was a one-man shop, I would say try to find maybe like an answering service or, or, a, or a third-party service to kind of help you triage some of that stuff. Um, it, it could be worth the money. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, especially when and, it's just you, you're doing everything. And even if you go with one of the more expensive answering services, I mean, you might spend four to $600 a month on the answering service, mm -hmm. which is still going to be more affordable than bringing on even just a receptionist. Yeah. Because I, I would hate to hire a receptionist and pay them like awful money I, don't, I mean maybe i'm just you know too nice i don't know but <laughs> uh no pj i do not i do not use a i'm sorry what was that todd well if you only have two hours of work a day for them to do why are you hiring a full-time person right so exactly. exactly that like if you just need someone else to kind of buoy you up when you're really busy or you're stuck in a meeting or something like that then that that makes a lot of economic sense and i would still challenge that people if they are independent they should still have slas your slas might be different than, than you know a, a traditional msp that has a staff team so maybe your response rate is within four hours than 30 minutes. If your yeah. clients accept that, then that's fine. Uh, but otherwise, you know, maybe you're not competing for the same type of clients and that's fair, right? But you, I think yeah. uh, um, setting those expectations of delivery for what you that's should feel important. your norms are and yeah. uh, also to keep yourself accountable. So if you see tickets that are drifting past a day, you know, you need to get on that. And if that means that you need to uh, change your business model or you need to hire some part-time support to address that, then do it, right? Yeah. So, so since we're talking about SLAs, what SLAs do you guys put in place typically for uh, your your MSP clients? So for us, um, like I said, it's when you submit a ticket, um, you're going to hear from somebody within one hour. Um, that's kind of our advertised guaranteed response time. Um, we've we've seen um, we've we've taken a lot of clients from other IT companies where they. Um, either didn't have an SLA or didn't really stick to it, but we're, we're pretty, pretty stringent about sticking to that. Um, and, and that's really our only SLA that we have, um, internally you now, like I have, said, you don't have guarantees of, I know with auto test, they call it resolution plan oh, and no. then, uh, ticket completion. You don't know SLA no. either of those things. No, we don't, we don't, we don't guarantee any of that because, um, who knows what the issue can be. And, and I, again, I think if you set expectations, like Todd said, and communicate, there's no reason to set, you know, a guaranteed resolution time, in my opinion, uh, you know, we, we could be, I agree. I just, I always wonder why that's even an option. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. The no. is, is whether or not there's uh, there's financial teeth to it. Right. That was, that be the part that I would really caution people away. And for, unless you're in some enterprise situation where it's mm -hmm. really never going to be an issue. So yeah. never let someone pressure you to saying like, well, if you miss your SLAs, then you know, you have to give me that uh, a free month of service or whatever <laughs> it is. Right. Like it's ridiculous. Like stuff yeah. happens. 
uh, and it's a matter of, obje of, of objectives. So if you're hitting 90% and you occasionally miss an SLA, it's still high quality service, right? Even yeah. if you're at 75, you're still doing fine. You could do better, but you, you're, you're doing fine. So it's really just about sort of what's the common parameters? What are we agreeing to as a level of service that's appropriate, right? Yeah. Um, Prejay said, is anyone using SLOs? I assume it's SLOs. Yeah, service, service level, level objective. I, yeah. I kind of feel like that's semantics. Um, objectives are, you know, what you hope to attain versus SLAs are what you're agreeing to attain. Kind of to, mm -hmm. to that, to what I just said that um, I think if you're going to set an SLO, you, you know, may as well just set an SLA and then both parties have an agreement that this is what you're trying to achieve and whatever your, your completion objective is, is if it's 80% or 90%, then, you know, that SLA is kind of the same thing as an SLO. So I feel like mm -hmm. it's semantics personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I have a client that's trying to get me to guarantee like an SLO or something like that, like you're going to fix my issue in this amount of time they're not going to be working with us. They're not the right fit for us. That's not, that's not the type of people that we serve. So a part of us being a successful business um, is having really good relationships with our clients. And that's what we're big on. So we have, uh, for the most part, I mean, we have really, really good clients. Um, we, we, we've, we fired a few of them that, that didn't necessarily fit our business model, didn't want to fall in line with our standards. Um, and that's another thing that I'm sure we'll talk about, but that's, um, that's really important to us is having the right clients. I mean, we're going through a stage right now where we need to um, kind of tighten up how we do things a little bit. And that might include dropping some of the smaller clients that are generating a lot of noise to focus on the, the client that I'm he here in their office. They're our biggest client right now, and they're not getting the attention that they need and deserve because I've got, you know, some, some very small noisy clients right now and, and that might have to change. So one of, one of my favorite expressions to that, Paul, is all revenue is not created equal, right? So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> top line, start analyzing the bottom line, look at your gross margin on a client by client basis. And if it doesn't yep. make sense, it doesn't make sense. Yep. And that's me and my business partner. Um, we're actually going to it nation next, uh, next month, um, or next week. And, uh, in Orlando, Florida, and uh, we've scheduled some time for us to sit down and look at that because we are, we're in again, it, us talking about service delivery is very, very interesting because we're uh, where we're at in our business. We are very, very much looking at how we do things because there's something wrong because we're, we are all drowning. Um, we can't find the time to do the things that we need to do. And, and things are just a little unorganized. It's kind of the wild west out there to a certain degree. We've got a decent handle on some stuff, but we, because of our growth, um, things have gotten a little out of control and I just want to put, put some polish on how we do things. Um, so this is, this is a really good conversation because it's a yeah. collaboration between, between all of us. So. Yeah. I strongly encourage you to do that. I've had four or five clients that I work with where I've, I've sat them down and said, you know, this bottom 20% has to go and they panic. Yeah. They're like, I can't get rid of that revenue. I can't get rid of that revenue. And then three months later when it's off the book, they're like, Oh my God, I should have done that a long time ago. And everybody's yeah. happier, happier morale goes up, the yeah. business is feeling better. So it's, it's always a benefit if you do it right. You know, but. Yeah, totally. And that's me. So I'm the one saying we can't let go of the revenue because I'm the, I'm the one that kind of handles the operations of our, of our company. Um, so I see the, the financials a little bit more than Craig does, but because Craig's, he's kind of the brains behind our operation. He's a, he's a better IT guy than I am. I'm kind of the people side and the operations. So um, I'm the one saying, oh, I don't want to get rid, rid of the revenue. And he's the one saying, we got to do it. We got to do it. So it's, uh, we're going to, we're going to start looking so at that next week and yeah. it's, uh, it's going to be scary, but we, we've got to do it to continue to scale because we're hitting, 
when, and I've heard many people say this. I actually talked to when I was at, um, I went to the Solar Winds conference last week. I met a guy who's running a $20 million MSP and a really, really good dude. And um, he, he had a lot of interesting things to say. And, you know, that's where we want to get to. And he said, when you hit that million dollar mark, things change. And I've, I've, I'm feeling that we're, we're, we're understanding that um, things are going to have to change and, and uh, we're going to, we're going to start doing that next week. <laughs> yeah. What got you to where you are will not get you into the future. It becomes a boat anchor, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So do you, do you have any processes in place that all techs must adhere to, whether it's uh, uh, here's how you handle incoming calls on site work. Uh, you always have to do this two steps when you're going to remotely connect to someone's computer uh, you always have to put this type of note uh, or use this sentence format or you, you always have to use an Oxford comma. I don't know. Like what, what do you say uh, your techs always have to do? So the one, again, the one big rule um, is if it's not in ConnectWise, it didn't happen. So we're, we're huge on, huge on that. Um, documentation also, I, I, we bust each other's chops. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. You know, you get working on a system and, um, you forget to document something. And one way we've actually figured out um, how to kind of triage our busyness is we actually created documentation at vxit.com. So if we are in the middle of something and we need to document something really quick, we just send it to ourselves at that, that inbox. And then that inbox is basically combed through every now and then and put into IT glue. So we use IT glue. Um, we have all of our uh, onboarding procedures and, and whatnot um, in there. So we have SOPs in there that they have to follow. But I can say that as far as like customer interactions, um, we don't have like hard and fast rules. I think that for the most part we've had, we have, we have really good people. And for the most part we've hired based on people skills um, versus IT. I can teach somebody technology and how to do IT. You can't teach people skills. So we have a really good team of guys um, that know how to treat customers. And um, another thing that I tell our, our guys is we are a customer service company that just happens to do IT. And there, there is no reason to forget that. Put, that. put that in the forefront of your mind because I truly believe that that's what's made me a successful IT guy is my ability to communicate, be, be good at customer service, and um, really not forget that there's a person sitting behind that monitor when you go to fix something. So um, that's super important to us. Another thing that I learned from another job that I had previously was um, a second set of eyes policy. So whenever I write a long email or maybe an email that needs to be a little straightforward or not so nice, I will send it over to Craig or even some of my guys to review um, and just say, hey, put some eyeballs on this and see, you know, do I sound too much of a jerk or, or something like that. So um, second set of eyes on emails is really, really big. So if, if my guys are needing to send an email to an executive or something like that, I'm just like, hey, slack it over to me and let me just take a look and I'll help you communicate that. So it's almost, we don't have hard and fast rules. And I think that's where I was going with this. We don't have hard and fast rules. It's more of a living organism and in a constant teaching and collaboration um, than than some hard and fast rules on that. Todd, do you do things like drastically differently? Um, To some extent, it depends on size. I find it is often influences this, right? Um, uh, I absolutely agree that um, the service first mentality has to be top top of mind for everybody. Uh, I think this is one of the most important parts that defends an organization against commoditization. 
because mm -hmm. if all the, all they do is like, we call this guy, he fixes our problem, but it's very, it's very transactional. You'll never establish like a deep rooted relationship where if someone offers to do that service for cheaper, they're going to be like, well, okay, I don't really like these guys. Like they do good work, but whatever, this guy's cheaper and it's probably the same thing. Whereas uh, I had experiences, one of the, the things that absolutely lit up my heart was when, uh, at, uh, when I was at Fully Managed, when we would have um, open houses and clients would come through the door and we'd greet them, say, hey, welcome, thanks for coming. And they're like, where is so-and-so? I want to meet them, right? And they would be so excited to meet this person that that is gi giving them service. That is when you know you're onto something where service That's is awesome. such an elemental part of, of what they perceive your service being. That is the part that will make you distinct from other providers. And therefore people will pay more for it and they'll be a whole lot more loyal. You'll reduce your churn, and people will be a lot more patient when things are, it can be a little tough. It's IT, crap is gonna happen. So yeah. you have to be able to defend against that and good quality service and personal connections are one of the best ways to, to address that. Um, yeah, we find ourselves going to our clients' Christmas parties and, and things like that. We become a part of their organization yep. and that's 100% right. That's, that's why we've been successful and that's why we'll be, continue to be successful. And I, I'm trying to figure out what that looks like though at a larger scale. So, right. uh, yeah, and, and Daniel, yeah, don't drink too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not at the Christmas parties. <laughs> um, with that, I will share a little document here. Share a window. Uh, so I can't give this out in the, the handouts because this is, um, part of this is actually proprietary info. Um, the, so this is, this is an escalation procedure uh, that is, is embedded in IT glue. So people that have IT glue, there's kind of these base materials that they provide for you on managing a service desk. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but the library is in there. So check it out if you have IT glue. Um, but this process is essentially built off of what we were doing in fully managed when, when I, I was running uh, the organization there. So if you take a look at this, um, this is the visual aspect of it that tends to work quite well that, um, a tier one response is, is reported. If it needs escalation, it goes to tier two. And if it needs uh, extra support, it goes to tier three. And most of this should be run on a 15 minute increment, right? So you want to triage and uh, close, first, close uh, first call resolution as much as you can at the tier one level. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. One, it's more efficient for the user and they feel like they got better service, but also it helps minimize your costs so that not, you're not having to hire tier three techs to solve absolutely everything. So this is one of the, the important parts about scaling an organization is minimizing your labor costs. Mm -hmm. And then there's some pieces in here, like if it's really ugly or it's taking too long, then maybe it goes up to the service manager or account manager for some type of specialized review. But um, this is how you maintain the SLAs. So 30 minutes for a response, um, four hours for, um, for res plan, and then eight hours for resolution um, would be uh, the, the numbers that we would, you would use, right? So that's, uh, that's a pretty good one. And then the other one, if you're using dispatch model, so this is out of ConnectWise Blueprints, um, essentially uh, triage. So the dispatcher should be at least kind of like a tier one and a half, if you can get that, um, or at least a, a 0.5 uh, tier one, so that they can at least do password resets, the really transactional stuff and get that off the board. And then if it's a little more complex, then they're doing drag and drop, drag and drop, if you guys are using ConnectWise and not working primarily out of your calendar and dispatch portal, shame on you. 
uh, there's a whole lot of issues that this causes for, for data. When I'm working with clients, it was one of the first things that I show them when I start showing them data, they're like, oh, this is wrong. No, that's not right. All of these tickets are past due. It's because you're scheduling wrong. So use your calendar. It's a whole lot easier. You can drag and drop and the dispatcher should definitely be doing that as well. Uh, awesome. So that's, that's the dispatcher model versus sort of tier one uh, resolution and then escalation are kind of the two models that I like. Uh, depends on sort of the, the size of the organization and how they're structured on which one tends to work better though. Excellent. So <clears throat> let me just go back to my notes here. Um, While you're doing that real quick, Daniel asked if uh, we're using Quozal. Um, no. So one of, one of the things, um, that is prevalent in our industry, IT guys suck. Let me say that again. IT guys suck at marketing. Every, yes, everything that's released for IT people, like it's ugly, disgusting, gross looking. I hate it. So that's honestly one of the reasons why like QuoteWorks, Quozal, Quozal is probably better than QuoteWorks, but just I hate I my skin crawls when I go to a prospective client and they like they'll show me like a competitor's quote or something like that they'll blacked out the 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 uh, the price but it looks so gross so um, I actually we we do everything in in zero right now as far as quotes for like hardware and things like that but I've got um, a slide deck that I could probably pull up and show you but um, I have a really slick um, almost slide deck presentation with pictures and. Um, high quality images and high level, just an overview of, of what we're proposing. So um, it's, it's, yeah, to, to answer your question, I'm just, I'm so sick and tired of, uh, of IT marketing material. It's ugly and, and gross. So, and, and part of that, I'm, I'm a little lucky in the fact that our sister company is a, is a multi-million dollar marketing company, although we don't, we have to pay for their services. So it, it is a business relationship because they're a client of ours. They're our second largest client. And um, even though there's common ownership, it is 100% a business transaction between us. So uh, we redid our logos earlier this year and I paid thousands of dollars for them to design it, redesign and, and build our logos. So, um, you know, hiring a designer, a Fiverr or something like that, getting something designed. I think that you did this, uh, Steve, when you were redoing your logo, didn't you have, you put it out on like Fiverr or something like that and had some, some options sent back to you. I, uh, I, I used 99 designs 99 and, designs. Then, okay. and then I actually took it over to Fiverr to have a couple things cleaned up. Okay. There you go. So my, my point is, is there's, there's, there are resources out there. You as it professionals, there's 46 people here in, in attendance. You guys are not marketers. We're bad at it. Stop designing stuff. <laughs> so that's my that's my soap my soapbox. <laughs> Some of the other platforms have gotten better at this, like Datto. Uh, there they have uh, access to Marketopia, and their market uh, marketplace is uh, actually really advanced. They have canned campaigns uh, that are really helpful as well. Uh, so it, look to your vendors; like they want to yeah. make you successful. So especially yep. on the marketing end of things. Uh, so if you need so some, some resource materials, uh, I used to leverage this all the time in my PS practices for using Microsoft materials, just rip off and duplicate, right? They're, that's what that stuff is there for. They want you to use it so that you sell more of their stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's safe to say with most of our MSP vendors, they, they all have uh, uh, brandable marketing collateral. It's already done. All you got to do is slap your logo on the corner and 
put your contact information uh, wherever it's <laughs> wherever they have it set up to go. Um, yeah. Even your RMM provider, whether you're using uh, Enable or what used to be GFI, Max, Dog, Solar, Hounds. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, they even have marketing materials available. Um, yeah. The only other thing I would add is um, uh, stick with a two-page proposal. Like You can yeah. have a longer contract, but two pages should be the max that you're trying to get across. Because if you're trying to sell them through the document, you're not going to have much success. So yeah. the sale right. happens before you actually send them a proposal. It's a summary of what you've talked about and agreed. So it doesn't need to be longer than two pages. People will not read it. Uh, and it'll look more concise and clean if you if you keep it really dense. Mm -hmm. I was actually trying to find, I'll see if I can find a proposal that I can uh, share here because they are they are pretty slick. Um, and I, I, quite frankly, I stole the template from our sister company. That's that's how I did and they, they, look, they look great. Too funny. Um, Looking at my proposal too. This may or may not be it. Okay, so next question. Uh, how do you know when something needs to have a standard operating procedure? I'll let Todd take that one first. Go ahead. Uh, I'll I'll jump on the IT bandwagon, IT glue bandwagon, SOP everything. Like the, uh, to the extent where IT glue has an SOP for how to put the coffee in the coffee maker, uh, maybe you don't need to go that deep, but, uh, SOP everything, it, uh, but don't let perfection be the enemy of good is probably the best way to frame it. So everything should be a draft document and then someone else should be responsible for doing some, some cleanup and management of what are the SOPs. Uh, the other approach that you can do is um, is sort of a draft ground. So you can create folders um, either in Wiki or whatever you're doing, Confluence. There's all sorts of different tools. Um, and create a draft document where you just create headers of all the documents that you want to have and then have people sort of go in there and, and uh, vet them out. And also, when you bring new people on, um, have them read through the documentation and make sure they understand it. Uh, this is one of the things I used to always do whenever I brought new people in is, is if the documentation doesn't make sense to you, tell me why, right? And have someone fix it. So yeah. everything is in, is a constant form of iteration is probably the best way to put it. Uh, but if you're going to do something more than three times, it probably should have an SOP, but it doesn't need to be a six page document. It could just be a list of four steps with a, with a, like a GIF graphic in it. Right. Yeah. Love it. So I can you uh, share my screen? I actually found a uh, a good proposal here. I removed the uh, the client name. I just made you the presenter, so now on the bottom you should see the share button. All right. Uh, permissions. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and move on. Let me see if I can. Get this to work. Oh, Not a I know why that. So that's that's why I couldn't find it, because I gave it a stupid name. Don't, okay. Don't give your documents stupid names, okay, guys? <laughs> Come up, right, so and that's and that's a perfect a perfect thing to even talk about. You guys, when when you're creating your SOPs or whatever you need to come up with a naming scheme so that way everything can be consistent. Yep. 
for sure. So can everybody, you get, can you see my screen here? Yes, sir. So here, here's a proposal that we sent. Um, that, that picture is actually from uh, one of their projects. It was a construction company. Um, I took out, I put their logo up here at the top. Um, you know, solid pictures that we had professionally done of Craig and myself. Um, we're gonna change these up and because we, we all had branded shirts and whatnot. Um, just a slick, simple proposal. This is so sexy. Yeah. Our, so our proposed our now, approach. That's how what our services, and then that's it. Can Can you and go back to that? Let's let the last that right there. That looks like Gary Pika. Oh, that's one hundred percent Gary Pika. So yeah, I was going to say that in the beginning. Spoiler alert: We're Gary Pika fans. <laughs> so most of what you what you you may hear is is totally Gary Pika because we're we're huge on Gary Pika. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. But with that said, we don't need to talk about our uh, our cake, okay, guys. <laughs> um, so <laughs> going to hang out with Gary to, uh, next week in uh, at IT Nation. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I too have a proposal document, and I'm going to share it uh, because I'm crazy. Um, I've actually got it up on Patreon. So if if you guys don't know what I'm talking about when I say Patreon. Um, I'll, I'll share that information for you as well. I've got a ton of documents and, and other bonus content up there. Um, people are already asking you guys to, to provide copies of your proposals. <laughs> I mean, I, I may, that may be for view only. <laughs> the point you know, is, the point is, is, is make them sexy and here, don't, and, and don't know what sexy is. We're it people. We don't know what sexy is. Just, Get over the fact and just just hire somebody to do that. And yeah, Adam, uh, True Methods is Gary Pika. That's correct. Put my glasses back on. Um, and and with that said, uh, it is view only, but this is recorded and will be up on YouTube, so you'll have plenty of time to recreate everything that that uh, Paul just showed you. I just <laughs> shared something go. out. Um, uh, that is what I give out and. Uh, I, I just try to make it very easy and I also am very particular when it comes to branding and even fonts and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when it, when it comes to, when it comes to your brand for your company, you know, you need to come up with a brand and, and you need to be consistent with your brand. Yep. So, um, and again, ask for help. I mean, there's so many designers out there that knows what good looks like. And I'm mm -hmm. continue saying it. We don't, as IT guys know, or IT girls don't, we don't know what good looks like. Most of us, um, you know, unless we have some sort of design background, even the fonts, you know, um, that we have a couple different standard fonts that we, we utilize. So um, it's very design minded. So, so let's move on to, to some more meat, less potatoes. Yeah. At what point does an SOP become something you automate? If it's automatable, I guess. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say if it's automatable, that's 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 an interesting subject for us right now because I uh, went to the Solar Winds conference last week and they were just talking about automation so much and. Um, <laughs> People in here are going to cringe a little bit, but we just recently, over the last couple of months, started automating our onboarding process. So it was a very manual process for us. 
Um, and we didn't have huge offices that we were onboarding, so it wasn't necessarily a problem. And I kind of like the personal touch of going around and meeting everybody. Um, but automation is another discussion that my, uh, my business partner, Craig, and I are, are actually walking through right now because um, we're finding that we, we do need to automate more. Um, things like we have no self-healing um, automation in place, zero um, at, at the moment. But we, Why you guys are so stressed out and busy. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. But it, it's interesting because we look at the, we look at the, and I'd love for somebody um, like you guys to look at the ticket board because we were talking about it the other night, me and Craig, if you look at our ticket board, there's not a lot of stuff on there that could be self-healing or could be automating. So um, one of the biggest things that we're doing, honestly, right now for the client that I'm here at, they are growing so quickly. We're onboarding one to three um, new users a week. So, so that's I mean, something you could easily automate to a certain extent, to a certain extent. Yeah. You, you well, can automate things like that, but we, we have to procure the computer and I'm talking, you know, procure the computer, um, you know, getting our software installed and we, so they're, they're not, um, in our state. So we, we purchase the computer, we get it shipped or we pick it up or whatever. And then we actually ship it to them here uh, in Tennessee. And when, so it's you, kind of a, when you ship it to them, it's already ready to go, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. So when you procure the computer, um, my assumption is that when it gets to your office, you have some type of standard base image that you wipe the drive and put this new image on. So that way it doesn't have any crapware and it's already got some of the important software that can be preloaded there already. And then you should be able to do scripts with, uh, with your solar winds for the Office 365 install and the Ninite deployments and uh, use Chocolatey for installing some other software. Yep. Um, those are the things that we're going to look at doing. We have some of those very, very minor things in place like that. Um, we actually did bring on um, a uh, level one. He's actually probably like a level 0.5 dude, really good dude. Um, he's still in college, part-time guy, and he's now our onboarding specialist. So we, we, put, a, we put a body there. He's also running around um, dropping things off and, and doing stuff like that. So he's been a really good addition to our team. Um, and real quick, Thomas asked, uh, uh, we have nine techs and how many tickets do uh, I have open at any given moment? So right now we're hovering between 70 and 100 tickets. Um, 70s on the lower end. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been in the 100 mark um, just about. And we, we have, um, um, goodness gracious, the dashboarding tool, uh, BrightGage. So uh, we utilize BrightGage. Um, that's one of the things that we've been really good about is investing in technology ourselves. So we've had, we bought IT Glue when it was just Craig and I. There was two of us and we bought IT Glue. 100% worth it. I'm on IT Glue and it's just me. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, so, I it's so worth it. Yeah, it's so worth it. So there's so, tools out there. Sometimes that... I kick myself, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it, it truly is a fantastic <clears throat> Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll share a window here, you guys, um, just around sort of my view of, of maybe uh, how you find what to automate. So um, this is actually from, from BrightGage, actually, now that we mention it. Nice. I'm, I'm a huge BrightGage fan, so uh, get on the fanboy train. Oh, yeah. um, but the, so this is segmentation of the work types in ConnectWise. I'm not sure how you would do this in, in Autotask. Maybe uh, Steve can give us a, a little info on that. But essentially, all tickets should be categorized as to what they were, what you were working on, and what type of ticket they, they were. So if you actually break down the hours and the tickets, you can see where the amount of work is going. And if you see like there's a bunch of self-heal opportunities within that work, 
And that's a great thing to automate, right? So really diving deep on, on where the time is going and where you can eke out efficiencies, right? If you save 30 minutes a day through the course of a year, you don't have to hire someone all of a sudden, right? Because there's more efficiency in the time. So be really diligent about what people are working on and where the bulk of the time is going, and then really chop it up and understand where you can create efficiency. Mm -hmm. So there's no point in creating a bunch of complicated scripts that actually don't save you a ton of time. But if you find that techs are actually spending a ton of time on stuff that you didn't even realize, and there is an automation opportunity, there's some gold, right? Yeah. Um, that, that thing that you had up, uh, you can sort of do that with Autotask. They take the, um, and I can't think, I think they take more of an ITIL approach with their ticketing. So it's got the, um, uh, ticket type issue, sub issue type thing. And the ticket type could be, uh, uh, service request issue that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so, so they've got the, the type, um, issue, sub issue, and I'm sure we could, we could do something like that. Um, because I'm small and don't think about it, I never thought to look at a report of the different types of tickets that I've got out there to see what can I automate based on these tickets. I just, mm -hmm more or less keep a list since I'm the only guy working on the tickets. And you'll have a better sense of it as a, as a sole operator for sure. Um, I just checked, uh, Brightgage does integrate with Autotask. So you can start to slice and dice those reports and, and figure that out. But I agree, it, it would tend to be a better approach when in, a, in team. Uh, otherwise, you can just kind of run down your mental list on what you worked on, what took more time or what you're seeing repeatedly and just uh, try and uh, script those, right? And And someone asked, why is IT glue better than Google Drive? Please put down the pitchforks. Yeah, um, I no pitchforks here for sure. No judgment. Um, I, I'd like. I just asked him how many techs uh, does he have in his organization. I mean, for a single man shop, it's cool that you're on it, Steve. Um, I, I again, I think it's totally worth it. I don't know if I would necessarily do do it as a single man shop, but anything above uh, one person is is totally worth it. So Daniel, um, one of the things that is super important uh, about IT Glue is basically an audit trail. So if you have um, a technician that you have to let go, you can run an audit on everything that he's had access, access to and actually viewed. And then you, those are the passwords that you can change. So that way you don't have to change all of your passwords. And um, so that there's, uh, there, there's an app. It's, it's just a very clean um, system. And um, it works really, really well. Uh, we have it connected to ConnectWise, so our clients um, are automated, are automatically put into IT Glue based on having them in ConnectWise. Um, it's just a really solid documentation tool. Um, I, I would say one of the things, one of the measures of why IT Glue is important. Uh, and caveat, you know, I, I worked <laughs> for uh, for the company that that uh, sort of, in a, in a sense, built IT Glue. But um, I'm 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 a huge believer in IT glue. I recognize there's a lot of uh, sort of negativity in the industry about it mm -hmm. and there are options. Uh, so Confluence, you know, I feel like you're trading time for money. Uh, it takes a ton of time to get that, uh, to get Confluence set up and working versus IT glue is structured and built purposefully for, for managing data in an MSP. 
But um, sorry, to my original point is um, the time to resolution is what you want to watch. And what you'll find is people spend way too much time just digging around trying to find the documentation. Yeah. And it's the equivalent of when people say that they have a great filing system in Outlook. I just shake my head. I'm like, okay, try and find X. And they're like, oh, hang on. Uh, maybe it's this term. Oh, who was it sent from? Do you remember what day it was sent to me? It's terrible. People can't find anything. So if your documentation is really well structured and it doesn't slow you down, then great. But uh, if you find especially that the resolution time on tickets is way north of five hours, you probably have an efficiency problem where people can't find the data or the, the, the information that they need. And if you're consolidating all of those, those issues into, uh, into IT glue, then it's learned knowledge that can be repeated. And Steve has the the video the the uh, the screen up here. This is the other part of what I love about IT Glue from an onboarding there's, perspective. There's I'm so amazed, much I love about IT Glue. I'm always amazed the number of people that have been using IT Glue for a long time and have never seen never dug around in the screen. But the completeness is a great way to come to a common standard around <laughs> what is an onboarded client, right? So if you have 12 clients, uh, maybe 50 clients and 20% of them are, don't have more than 50% of the documentation completed, you got a lot of work to do, right? Uh, so just the structure of, of how you're gonna document and what is completed uh, is really, really helpful. Yeah, I, I love this screen. And obviously it looks really funny right now because um, I, I've got it like half off my screen so that way you don't, you don't see the uh, customer name. Because uh, I don't trust you guys, especially <laughs> you, you guys that are in different countries. <laughs> um, but but it's also got so it's got an expirations section, which um, you can see all the computers and when their warranties expire. And IT Glue integrates with Warranty Master, which I think is what like thirty bucks or something like that a month to have it automatically check and update all your warranties. Um, it's got. Uh, an overall assets tab. And then if, if we were to come in and look at one of these customers, uh, do I have one that I don't care about? You guys can steal this customer. I don't care. <laughs> here's, here's a nice little, uh, uh, let's see here. Um, so I have all of this different stuff and you can create your own asset types, but like I created this one here called BitLocker Recovery Key. I can just add a key and I've got the ability to link it to an existing endpoint. And um, I don't know why it's not showing me that. Maybe I've got it spelled wrong or something. That's why, because it's L-I-S. So it, it lets you just link it to something and then uh, you can punch in your, your key and your recovery password and you can save that. And now that BitLocker recovery key, you'll see here, uh, you've got the ability to add related items and I can say this is related to, let's go Rick. And then I can just click here or I could have clicked here. And everything ties back to itself. It's very, very yeah, helpful. It's, it's got everything is going to be related to itself. Um, so I'm not going to lie. I've never, I've never seen that completion screen and I just looked at ours. We've got see? a lot of work to do. <laughs> That's insane. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to hit up You're my guys on Slack and be like, and documentation day. <laughs> yeah. And that's how you set incentives for the techs. Like, hey, I want to see this one up to 50% by end of next week, right? Yeah. 
we got a lot of them in the teens. Not a lot of them. There's a few in the teens, and that's scary. That's really, really scary. That's a good one. Um, when it comes to adding new software or changing what software is used, which uh, will affect your margins when setting up, for example, how do you work this in your price? Can you explain that question a little bit? What do you mean exactly? That question was brought to us by another gentleman. However, might. what what I think they're asking is how how do you do, do you do you come up with your price solely based on margins? First of all, okay. That that's my first question. Yeah, n no. So I mean, our our price again. We're we're kind of in the Gary Pika um, world, sure. so. We, we understand kind of what's, what the market price is and how we price things is per user per month, unlimited service. So um, we charge for projects and things like that on top of that. But um, in the past, and we've, if anything, we've been probably too gracious in our monthly contracts because there are some projects that we, we include or throw in there. Um, we don't charge extra for, which is a total no-no. And we're, getting, we're kind of getting bit by that now because we've got a big project board and most of them we're not making money on. So um, we, we start at basically the $150 mark. That's kind of retail price kind of in our area, in the West Palm Beach area um, for true MSP services. But I also include VCIO services. So I know a buddy of mine who runs a, I think they're gonna be do 7 million this year, um, company around our area, and they charge extra for VCIO services. So. Um, we don't, we, we, we include that. Um, and most of, and if we're doing the VCAO and the network admin services correctly, that actually does generate revenue. And for those that don't understand the, the VCAO and the, the network admin, um, basically the short of it is you have a network, a network admin for your clients and a VCAO, hopefully two separate roles. The network admin has basically a list of standards that he takes a client and says, they have this, they don't have this, they don't have this, they have this, they have this, they don't have this. And if anything that they don't have should essentially be a project. So, you know, they don't have like a branch active directory server or something like that, but it's probably industry standard that they should, that should generate a project where you sell them a server and sell them hours and, and things like that. It's the job of the VCIO. Once the network admin does the checkbox, the VCIO basically goes in and sells and consults and says, Hey, this is why you should do that. So, Right now, the way our team is, is set up, Craig is, is the network admin. He kind of leads the charge on that, and I'm the VCIO because I'm the, I'm the people, I'm the sales side of what we do. So um, it, it's a really good role, but I, I, Gary Pika, he'll, he'll say that that's kind of the superpower. That's, and, and again, the, client, uh, the, the company that are one of our competitors, we're, we're, kinda, we're friends and competitors. It's kind of funny how that works out, but um, they're charging extra for that, and we don't. So it's kind of, a, in my mind, a one-up on them when, when we're – going for clients together so and there are so many questions regarding the vcio stuff uh is is that something where you're you're going on site regularly uh whether it's once a month once a week to quarter to be the cio yeah usually it's quarterly usually you want to touch them quarterly uh and that's we, when you do the qbr as well right yeah yeah we, oh sorry quarterly business review for some of you yes. guys that don't know yeah I can say that we're not doing a good job of it because we we don't have a very good structure in place to do it, and we're not actually following our own rules. So we're not setting them up quarterly. On the flip side, I'm sitting. I, I've been here at my client this whole week, 
Um, I'm sitting here working out of this office. I'm actually supervising. They're, they're wiring up um, their space here. Um, but I'm, I'm doing a decent job being in our client's face so often that I actually don't have to schedule the quarter the quarterly reviews, but it's something that we need to get more pointed and more organized um, in. So, I would suggest um, what most people perceive as VCIO. It, there's it's it's an overused term that kind of splits between two types of services. So there's the one the VCIO is what you provide in the service, uh, doing QBRs, just keeping them on track, uh, scheduling projects, doing budgeting. Those are the things that uh, are probably a part of the service and, and they're not necessarily something that someone would pay extra for. Uh, the VCI services that are you can actually sell as an additional package are much more about business analysis, competitive threat, actually doing uh, long-term planning with them on, on how they use technology and how they could better use technology in the future. So, but the, the internal VCIO as far as a standards procedure is really, really helpful, um, but don't get carried away and jump to it before you fix the rest of the house. It's yep. a maturity step, right? So you wanna make sure a service is solid, projects are solid, and you're, you have a bit of a sales funnel, right? Yep. And after that, you can start to play with VCIO services because uh, it, the uh, standardization that you can get by just meeting with the clients and saying, these are all out of uh, our standards. We're gonna set projects over the course of the year to make these things happen. That has a dual benefit. They're investing in technology. They feel the value that you're providing them in setting the direction for their IT and you result in additional services and certainly additional projects and hopefully some hardware sales, right? So someone asked if it's reports to the service manager. Typically it doesn't, it can if you're a smaller organization, but usually it's executive or, or uh, senior sales sponsored uh, because, you know, guys like Paul, the VCIO services typically come from the executive first, right? And that they're the ones that are going to be able to make those touch points. And it's also difficult because you'll find certain clients need it and certain clients will want it and they won't always be the same. So you'll try to schedule QBRs and they just keep pushing you off because they're not interested. They don't see the value of, of using IT strategically. So it can be difficult to implement. Um, people struggle with this a lot. It usually ends up kind of dead on the side of the road and they move on to other things and then occasionally try and come back to it. Uh, so don't get frustrated. It requires a concerted effort and not everyone will utilize it in the same way. So though our clients, like you should be doing QBRs quarterly. But if you do it twice a year, because that's all they want, that's all they need, that's the size that the requires it. And if everything else is happening, you're getting project sales, you're getting uh, loyal return in the service and they're utilizing you well, there's a good relationship, it's less of a risk, but generally you should be doing quarterly, hell or high water. Yeah, I, uh, so Thomas is asking if uh, basically the difference between VCIO and technical account manager I, I kind of would say that they're kind of the same thing, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, when you get to the level like just saying the, the, the VCIO high-level consulting, um, you're going to have somebody that's like me. That, that's kind of what I'm good at is high-level. Um, how can we help grow your business through technology? Um, a technical account manager is kind of like a scrappy young person, like a salesperson that doesn't know much about uh, IT, and it, it's more of a sales position. The VCIO is a sales position to a certain extent, but it's definitely high-level consulting. Um, you know, for instance, uh, this client here, we just rolled out uh, Sage X3. It's basically been a year and a half uh, project that we've been working with on them and uh, charged them extra for the service that I was providing that I kind of babysat that entire implementation um, and just made sure that it, it moved along. 
and it was a lot of work, but um, you know, we charged extra during that implementation. It's uh, it's now implemented, and there's some still some stuff that we're working through. But um, the, that's kind of how you view the VCIO versus you know a technical account manager that's just doing like procurement and and things like that. So I, I absolutely agree with Paul. I think that's a good way to divide that internal versus uh, additional service. Uh, so the TAM is that internal service that manages standardization and how they're utilizing mm -hmm. you as a, as a solution provider and making sure that they're getting the most out of technology and that they're doing the things that you want, right? The VCIO is much more about business acceleration, right? So, uh, it, you know, you've got all the standards in place. You guys are well managed. Uh, you have a high operational maturity level. I use the OML scale for that. And now what's next, right? Like, let's really kind of put on the boosters on this thing and make you guys grow and make mm -hmm. you a competitive threat. So like e-commerce, <clears throat> what are you using for CRM, all of those additional types of aspects that the, the, the business may not have thought of. And yeah. that's why it's an extra level position. And yeah. Paul's description of it is actually really apt. It sounds kind of uh, unnecessary, but it's really important that you act as the advocate and the, cl the client advocate in potentially dealing with other vendors, right? So you may be doing, um, for example, a, a ERP selection, or you're, you know, you're uh, outsourcing to a different provider for some service within their organization. You kind of manage the operational level agreements uh, the, uh, between the, the organizations. So it's, it's a different uh, realm that you play in than just the standard uh, support services for the internal IT infrastructure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and one of the things that we, um, that, that, you, that you mentioned was, uh, sorry, kind of lost my train of thought there, uh, CRM is a big one. So the fact that a company doesn't, that, that they have a sales process or even salesmen or women on the road. And if they don't have a CRM and you go to them and say, Hey, what's your sales pipeline look like? What is your sales team using to, uh, report back their activities and stuff like that? And they go, Oh, we don't really have any of that in process for you to recommend just a simple, um, there's so many simple CRMs out there, but we actually did that. That was another project that we, um, did for another one of our clients. Our third largest client was I helped roll out Salesforce. I knew nothing about Salesforce. I, I knew something, but I had never rolled it out. I didn't know, you know, the, the in-depth actually didn't realize how much of a project it would be when I agreed to do it. Um, and we were actually going to roll out basically Salesforce light. And we ended up rolling out like legit Salesforce. And it was, I totally uh, misquoted the project on there because we're still dealing with that. Um, it's, it's been a, a little bit of a nightmare, but we have shown value. And now that they can, they have a, a view into what their sales team is doing. And, and, you know, we can, and all that does is help build a relationship. The business owner now believes because we do, I, I, their success is our success. And that's, that's why we do the per user um, per month model. Um, and we also do uh, um, uh, no, no, no contracts. So we have a contract, but it's month to month. So uh, per user per month, uh, no commitment there, but we, want them to succeed and we want their business to grow because that means their user counts going to go up which means their bill with us goes up so our motives are aligned and if it's it sounds stupid to say that out loud aloud but that's like if you tell that to a business owner when you're telling you know trying to sell your services like i want to help you grow your company our motives are aligned it's the exact opposite in like a break fix model when you're only being called um you know when things break and that's um todd you had mentioned it you know uh, before we're, and I tell uh, prospects this all the time, and no, no offense to plumbers, like I, I maybe you should find another um, 
another way to present this, but like, we're not plumbers. Your toilet breaks, you call a plumber, he comes in and he repairs it. We are not repairmen. We are business technology consultants. There's so much more to uh, IT than just fixing things. It, it needs to be. You need to be high-level consulting, you know, heavy customer service and, and all that stuff. So kind of went on a, on a tangent and a rabbit trail there. But all, all of that stuff's very important, um, you know, if you want to continue to grow your business. That's a no, and, uh, a lot PK, of information. Sorry, yeah. All, all, all related to... Uh, changing software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So real quick, because this is actually just as important. Uh, Pre-J, zero, zero onboarding fees. I will never, ever charge onboarding fees, ever. We'll never do that. Um, I feel like you're penalizing somebody to start a relationship with you. And that's just my personal view on it. I, I will never, ever charge um, onboarding fees. And I've had people bust my, my chops about it. They're like, you're missing out on revenue. Um, but I, I don't, it just rubs me the wrong way. I don't like it. I, I don't like it. What about offboarding fees? Do you charge them to a penalty to leave you? <laughs> no. So, so here's, here's actually, here's a, here's a fact about our company for about VXIT. So we've been, I'll, I'm going to call it, we've been in business three years. The first year really didn't count, but we've been in business three years. Um, we're up to, we're North, I think of 50 managed service clients. We have one guy that's kind of paying us hourly. He was one of our first clients that we kept him on the plan because he's not, I haven't sold him yet on, um, on an all-in plan, but we have had zero clients call us to cancel services in three years, zero. We've not, and, and sorry, we've had a couple of clients that went out of business that didn't need our services. So there was uh, three businesses that we've, that we've not done business with because they were going out of business and they were shady medical offices and shady um, addiction facility treatments centers. We have not lost a client by them saying, calling us and going, Hey, we're done with your, uh, we're done with your services. We, we don't like the service and we're moving to somebody else. That's not happened. I'm sure it's going to happen at some point, but as of right now in three years, we've lost no, uh, no clients. And yes, Daniel, we are in, uh, we're in South Florida. So, so I'm not sure if you guys noticed, but he kept saying none of his clients have called him to say that. <laughs> so he did not specify how many clients have emailed him to cancel that's true. or just simply not reached out at all and stopped paying. No, that's true. Uh, and so that's the other thing. Like we have <laughs> such good relationships with our clients that we actually don't, we don't have collection problems. Like our clients pay us um, on time. And the other thing that we're actually starting to do, so because our contracts are month to month and we're heavy on relationships, um, moving forward, um, any new contract that we sign, our clients will have to have, um, it's, it's now a requirement in our contracts, ACH or a credit card on file for monthly services, period. Good. Because they, they, have, they have been good at paying, but sometimes they forget, it, sometimes they forget the invoice, like it, it just is really tough to collect because I don't want to be the um, I don't want to be the bad guy and the good guy. I don't want to be the guy going after money and the guy that's bringing solutions as well. Um, I right. do not, and we do not charge upcharge the CC. It's worth honestly, man. It's worth the three yeah. percent to just have that money in the bank. It's cash flow. Um, yep. And I, you know, I don't know who, who's uh, who's asking that. If if you're um, and, and really ACH will charge you, I, I think too. Um, I, I don't know if it's high, but it's it whatever the fee is, it's totally worth it because of cash flow. Period. Yeah. That's it. Cash flow is king. Yeah, and no no late fees, Ron. We uh, we don't we don't charge any late fees. I actually asked my accountant about that last week. Um, we we could do that, but I I don't know. We're we're, we're now moving everybody over to ACH or credit card, and that's going to be the future. 
So. So, so hopefully this can be a quick question answer. Uh, what would make a good first hire to reduce some of the load for a, a one person MSP? Technical, admin, sales? Technical. Okay. And that's me thinking about it for just a second. So, um, yeah, I, I, we, we, so we're nine people. We still don't have an admin position. Um, we're handling it. You know, I do the operations. Craig helps me out. Um, we, we're still doing our own administrative stuff, but we're now getting to a point where we're going to hire like a admin assistant slash office manager slash bookkeeper. Um, and we're actually interviewing somebody on Monday. So, um, and she actually only wants to work part time. So we're probably going to do that. And we're nine people and we're, we're at over a million in revenue. So we, and you don't have a personal assistant. I mean, you're an important man. Not yet. Not yet. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, that's going to happen. I, I, cause honestly, so we, I, it's funny cause I had a conversation with my colleague who owns the $7 million MSP by us, um, my friend and competitor. Um, they just got admin assistance and he says it is the best thing that has ever happened to him. And they're, they're obviously much bigger than us. They're, I think they have a staff of 30 or 40 or something like that. So they're, they're a bigger company, but um just the, 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 the cognitive load that, that they can take off of you. And he was, I, I can't bring myself to like have somebody go get me coffee, but he even said, and he's of the same mindset, like just her picking him up coffee to where he doesn't have to think about it and perform that task has freed him up from a cognitive standpoint. Totally worth it. He said, so that'll probably happen before the end of so, next year. Uh, what, Besides, you know, providing all the tech support, what do you feel you do? And this is going to be a question for Todd first. What do you feel we should be doing to provide our clients with the best value? And, you know, does that mean we should be sending them a monthly canned ugly report out of our, out of our RMM or PSA? Should we be doing the QBRs? Should we send them a tin of cookies? I mean, what, what should we be doing to, to show them, Hey, look, you guys are paying us, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars a month and it's worth it. So all of the above would be a good start. Uh, uh, just pick a few, essentially. I am a huge believer in monthly reports and QBRs. I think they're incredibly critical. It, it's like an umbilical cord to the client, right? That that's the way that you're going to demonstrate value especially as mm -hmm. you get better as a service provider, because the tactical view is uh, I haven't sent you any tickets. So why am I still paying you? Right? So if you're not doing something else, then how are you demonstrating some value? So the way that I, I suggest people manage this is, is a deep analysis of the gross margin on a particular account. If the margin is under, it means you're probably doing too much reactive work or the environment is not structured properly that it's easy to manage. Once the uh, margin starts to drift too high, then that's a value alignment thing that you need to be conscious of what proactive measures you're providing to them. Simple things like doing a monthly report and QBRs is incredibly critical. Plus what we talked about before, QBRs benefit you personally by providing a project funnel to, to chew on in addition to the services. So uh, two things on the monthly report. Uh, again, a good reason why I like BrightGage is a lot of that just gets structured. You can dump it straight to the client. It gets emailed to them every month. It's not something you have to 
you know, bend over backwards to create and spend four hours copy and pasting everything into a document. Um, the caveat to that is I would suggest as much as possible, you actually call the person and review the document with them. Right? So it doesn't necessarily get dumped direct to them for them for them to understand and consume is that you schedule a, a time, send it to them once you're on the phone and review it together. After you do that kind of three or four times, they'll get it and they'll be like, oh, okay, I can read this thing myself, right? But still call them every once in a while. And I think one of the best places this uh, is helpful is as you scale, have your service manager be the person that is making the calls to the clients or the gatekeeper at the client. Right. So it may not be the business decision maker, but the person that's influential, uh, maybe it's the EA or you know, one of the, the top managers in that organization, having multiple contacts, points of contact of people developing relationships within your client will uh, provide a ton of air cover when things go bad, right? There's multiple channels that you can, you can talk to and make sure that people are aware of what's going on. So just anything that you can develop those relationships with people, right? So going to their Christmas party, sending them some cookies every once in a while, remind them that you're there because if they don't hear from you, they may start to question the bill. Yep, for sure. And anything you do above and beyond any of that? No, Paul? that's that's totally accurate. I, I will say that I, I was doing VCIO monthly reports and um, I would do like ticket counts, closed open. Um, we we deploy Umbrella from OpenDNS for Cisco. Um, I, I, I started doing some of those reports, but nobody read them. Um, we found it much more important to just go have a meeting or, or even take the reports and, and talk with them. Um, yeah, Matthew says movie tickets. I've taken a couple people I've hit up, um, Comcast, uh, has a, has a, um, a, uh, um, suite, uh, at our stadium here. So I've hit them up for tickets from time to time and taken business owners to, uh, to the suites and, and things like that for hockey games or whatever. So, um, yeah, it, it's all about the relationship. I, I mean, Todd, Todd nailed, nailed it. Excellent. Um, going back to, oh man, there's a little fly in here. Going back to the, the software stuff, um, uh, new MSPs or, you know, guys breaking into MSP or whatever, uh, you know, everyone's told you got to buy an RMM, you got to buy a PSA, you got to get this software, that software, AVIC, uh, antivirus, anti-malware, anti-this, anti-that, UTMs, and a lot of this stuff has minimum buy-ins. You know, you got to buy 100 or 50 or uh, whatever. Um, at what point do you determine, I need this even if I don't have the minimum? And at what point do you say, maybe I shouldn't be buying things right now? Because obviously, the more of that stuff you have, theoretically, the better service you can provide your clients, right? You can show better value if you can say, hey, you know, if I've presented 100% of the issues, uh, you know, your computers have had fantastic uptime, yada, 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 yada. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I, I when we were small, like I said, we 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 did do IT glue a little later in the game. Um, but it was with, with Craig and I, um, you have to have an RMM tool. Um, you know, you could probably survive for a little bit without it, but if you're a single man shop, but you have to have an RMM tool and you have to have ticketing. Period. Like start there and then and then grow. Um, for us, Max Focus or now it's Solar Winds RMM um, was a was a huge um, huge one for us. I'm trying to remember. We, I think we had enough endpoints at the time where the, we were above the, uh, uh, above the threshold. So 
it, it was what it was. And, and it, you have to have it though. You have to have it. I mean, what, what do you use now as a single man shop, Steve? So you, you're on uh, I have Autotask PSA. I'm on Autotask Endpoint Manager for my RMM. Okay. Uh, should I, should I keep going? Yeah, no. So there, there you go. I mean, you, you, you've, you've found the value in that. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's, you, those are things that you can't you can't operate unless you have those for sure. Okay, um, Todd. Actually, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up. Todd said north of seventy percent, and I assume you're talking about margin. Yep. North of seventy percent is a concern. Sixty to seventy percent is ideal. Uh, we actually have a gentleman. I think he's still here in the room. Zach Stark. Um, he does some really cool and interesting things. Um, and I believe his margin, depending on the client, uh, is somewhere in the 61 to 80 something percent range. I, I know that because we've talked about it. Um, but he also, he asked earlier, and we, I don't think we touched on it. Um, one of the questions he asked was, when do you start helping your clients with automation? And, and I, he doesn't mean when do you start automating things in your RMM? He means when do you go to your client and say, hey, uh, what thing do you guys do that sucks? You know, maybe there's a person that she spends two hours a, a week or a day or whatever taking something from one system and copying it into another system and uh, using Excel uh, CSV exports and imports and, and wasting your time. When, when do you go to that client and make a process that makes her have more time to do something else? So I would say we wouldn't, her. I would say we wouldn't disagree, right? So if he's hitting between 60 and 80%, that's ideal. So it's counterintuitive, but I found the happiest clients that we had were around that 60 to 70% range. Right. And people think, oh, my God, like we're soaking them. Like, no, no. As long as you're, you're pr providing good service, what that typically tells you is stuff is not broken. So you're not fighting fires mm -hmm. all day. So to the previous point that we talked about is as long as you're continuing to provide value, you can you can creep the margin up as much as you're comfortable with. But from uh, from a management perspective, an operations uh, perspective, that's what I looked for. Right. Is OK. These ones are below 40 are we concerned? Is there a reason for this? Or is this invested time? Uh, if it's north of 70, who are these clients? Are we comfortable with the fact that the margin is this high? And some of them were like, yep, that's the way it is. They're super happy. Okay, cool. Right? So it's, it's a, a circumstantial uh, decision, but those are the benchmarks that you kind of want to look for on, on, you know, okay. it throws up the yellow flag, right? Well, I appreciate you elaborating on that. Now let's go back to the automation thing. Do you guys ever help your clients when it comes to making them more efficient and helping them automate processes? Yeah, I mean, there were some people there that said that's a VCIO job when uh, you were talking about that before. But yeah, I mean, really, that's that's kind of where I come in as a VCIO, and it's it's more so me being present and aware of their business. So I'll walk into a business and be like, hey this doesn't look right or, Hey, we can, we can do this. And actually a good example of it is um, I was sitting with a business owner um, last week or the week before that. 
and uh, he was telling me how awful it was for them to do their expense reports for their employees because they have a super old line of business application. And I was like, dude, I'm going to rock your world. Expensify. So little things like that just bring so much value. And, uh, you know, I was telling them about how it's automated. So you've got an app. Take a picture of the receipt. You can put your, um, your checking account right into the back end of uh, Expensify. You hit reimburse and everything happens automatically. So he, there's a manual That's process simple. where people are doing it on paper. They have to submit it on paper. I'm like, no, 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 no. So doing things like that is, is really the VCIO's job. And, and kind of uh, you have to be present, though, in the business and, and continuing that relationship and talking to them and, and seeing and understanding their business mm -hmm. to, to really consult on that stuff. So that, that I think that's a great use case example, Paul, um, and exactly kind of the, the, the little nuggets that you got to be looking for. I think what people often forget is that what is common knowledge to us is an uncommon knowledge to a lot of people yes. in business. Yes. They don't, they're not souped in technology all day. They don't know yeah. what's possible. So you can really, like you say, you can really rock the world when you, you're like, well, this is a tool I've used for years. It's super simple, but they've never heard of these things. Yeah. So that's where you can kind of create those value. Um, uh, one thing to kind of look for these things as well. We talked about how often you're visiting clients and that sort of thing. Another thing you can try is if you have a field guy or the TAM that actually goes and sits in the office environment mm -hmm. uh, every once in a while and just observe or shadow how people work and look for uh, for areas of opportunity, yep. right? And you can find some major gems in there. And then you can bring that back to the executive and say, hey, you know, we were out doing a field visit. We sat with some of your employees and these are the things that we noticed. We would like to make some proposals on how we can make that better. And boom, that's value for the client, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, we might only have time for like a couple more questions because it is 228. Um, I know, Paul, you already said earlier that you don't really have any self-healing and, and much screen, uh, uh, scripting done in your, in your RMM tool today. Um, Todd, do you help MSPs when it comes to building out their RMM tool, uh, setting up the automation, remediation, scripting, all that type of stuff? Probably a little less on the RMM side. Um, I'm pretty good with lab tech. I'm okay with enable, um, but uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't have the skill set for the the deep stuff. I do do a ton of work with with people in correcting ConnectWise implementations. I find they're always sort of haphazardly done, so I do a lot of support there. Um, I have some partner groups that I work with that are like uh, hardcore lab tech experts. And I'll usually pair them up with the with those guys for either a limited implementation or an ongoing support uh, contract if that's what they're looking for. Uh, the basics, you know, if if we can look for the self healing and how you manage alerting, uh, the some of that that simpler stuff or some basic scripts that I've collected uh, over the course of the years. Uh, simple stuff like that. But beyond that, I look to someone internally to manage that because it's not something that you can really have as, as an, an external entity, just do once and it works. Someone has to care and feed for that stuff. And do you feel like there are some top scripts that just every MSP should have? Uh, Dbloat would be definitely one of them. Um, I've seen a couple on the Reddit forums that have been floating around. People have been asking about, um, and so like and a, a script just to tear down all of the the um, 
the garbage, uh, all of the crapware that gets installed on machines. If you're not doing fresh installations um, for new machines or if you're taking on existing uh, machines that you have not controlled in the past, you definitely want to do kind of a crap clean and get a bunch of the junk out. Is Decrapify uh, a thing still? I remember that one. Uh, I don't know Decrapify. Uh, a crap, or a crap cleaner. Crap cleaner, definitely yeah. Is one. Yeah. Uh, and there's, um, there's a cool script that I've followed for a few years. It's called Tron. Uh, you got to be really careful with the implementation of this thing, but it goes deep. So uh, <laughs> you can look that up on uh, Reddit, just search for uh, Tron script. Um, that one's pretty aggressive. Uh, so be careful with it. Uh, what are some other ones? I don't know. They, they, um, the, the typical stuff, uh, self-healing on services, I think is really good where um, if you get an alert for a service failure, that at least it, start, it tries to restart the service. Um, and if it's something non-destructive, then maybe you can even bounce the machine. Um, you gotta be careful with those as well. And then after that, it, send, it logs its own ticket. But I think um, too, too many people start with service alerts and uh, uh, system alerts, just creating a ticket first. And you wanna think about what is the first four things that a tech is actually gonna do before they touch this alert? What are they gonna check? What are they gonna try? Uh, as their first two actions, that, there's your automation right there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, service alerts, I think, is a good one for sure. Hmm. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, uh, we we did go over by a minute. Do do you guys have any last uh, words of wisdom that you'd like to pass yeah, on to everyone? Um, I know we went over a lot. Yeah, it was, it was wide ranging. It was good, good chat. Yeah. Uh, we could, I think we could definitely do a part two on this for sure. Um, I, for me, I think the biggest thing that I really try to, to, to discuss with people oh. is, is um, focus on your data. And the data won't fix problems for you, but it'll give you a lot of good questions to ask, yeah. right? Uh, oh, okay. Um, can I advance through this? Someone, someone asked. Yeah, we, sure. I can run a can, little over time. Do you have time yeah. to do this? Okay. How do I even, even if you run through this? real quick? Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll live and die you. by the SLA. We've talked a lot about this. So this is a bright gauge. I'll do this quickly. So um, reach out to mm -hmm. me guys if you want want some support on this. But um, manage your SLAs, right? So and put it in colors. Um, so that it, the reason I like this one, the top one is the last 30 days trailing, and the bottom one is last month. So you want to look for trend analysis, right? So what was last month and are we trending up or down on our achievement of the SLA? And you'll notice it doesn't have to be 100% to be green. So if it's above 80, it's fine. And then it'll start to drift into different colors after the fact. So you want to manage uh, response, res plan, and nice. resolution um, for all of the priority levels. Okay, next. Yeah. I, I do the same thing uh, with so my auto I, Everywhere I work, there ends up being a ton of dashboards hung in all the corners. It's pretty much uh, any real estate on the wall that we can fit a TV on, there's probably a dashboard hanging over. And uh, fully managed, mm -hmm. we had dashboards that hung over each department facing in each direction. Uh, so each department had publicly displayed what their, nice. their stats were. So everyone was openly accountable to it, right? So um, you want to use colors, and these are some of the some of the baseline numbers. So service tickets past due. This is a good example of people. Uh, my primary suspicion in seeing this so high is that people are not scheduling themselves properly on the calendar. They're creating multiple schedule entries. Okay, scheduled past due. 
um, is they were actually set to resolve something and they've missed it. Maybe it's first thing in the morning and they haven't rescheduled themselves. And then customers responded. So as soon as a customer is the last person to touch a ticket, the SLA timer should click back on and then you have to race back and get that and make sure that you pick it up after the client has touched it, okay? So the, you think of like tennis, balls in your court, balls in their court. Balls in their court, SLA timer is off. There's no responsibility for you other than maybe some simple follow-up. As soon as they pitch it back to your side, you got to jump on it because then it's up to you, okay? And then... Um, and I can tell you with the Autotask dashboard, um, all of these things, you could make it look just like this, and then you can click on it, and it will show you the tickets that it's referencing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so who has that. many tickets? I call this one, uh, this is a custom uh, gauge that I built uh, for clients. It's called Ticket Intelligence. So on the bottom row, I, I obscured this obviously is the tick, is the, the technicians, and then the, the, the vertical line is the number of tickets that they have assigned. And then it's color coded based on what status those tickets sit in. So the service manager or the dispatch person can look at this and see, are there tickets that are scheduled past due? Are there tickets that are sitting in an SLA status and they shouldn't be? And generally, does someone have too many tickets assigned to them and they're not distributing the tickets properly across, across the, the, the team? Okay. I like that one a lot. Yeah, that one's good. It's great for dispatchers. They love it. And then they, they're a lot, they can follow up a lot more intelligently with, with uh, individual techs. And then just generally using scorecards and managing trends. So if you look at, this is, um, uh, this is ticket resolution on a weekly basis for a particular client. And if you looked at this months back from what you can actually see here, it was a sea of red. Right, so then we started working with them. I, t I told them, uh, got them squared away on how to manage the SLAs and make the techs accountable to statuses and uh, scheduling. Then all of a sudden, you know, we launched forward, got a couple of green weeks, slipped back again, and then uh, all of a sudden there was this massive consistency to closing uh, the volume of tickets that we wanted every week. And then uh, based on that, your kill rate goes up, so you're closing and as many tickets as you're opening a day, right? So, so if I'm looking at this correctly, I think I'm understanding the numbers are the number of tickets being closed, correct? What is determining uh, that's the the, green or the, red? Um, the baseline that you want to see? So, uh, if it's under 500 tickets, it's red. Over. But what if they only uh, open 400? It, you shouldn't see that based on volume. Right. So you'll see for, for the weeks after that, it, it, it starts okay. to trend up. So you're, if you're categorizing tickets and what your, your open and close rate generally are, how many tickets you get a month. So you would set that number different for an organization on what you expect your trends should be, right? But just in general, like what do you hope to see? Excellent. How are you trending against that? So really heavy on scorecard management. I'm, I'm a big believer in both dashboards as well as scorecards for department, uh, company, and even individual performance stats, right? Because the, the data won't lie, but it'll it open up a more intelligent conversation. Um, the one I usually describe for people is people often say, I need you to work harder uh, when they're asking for, for them to do more. But it's, uh, they, people are immediately defensive and saying, I'm working my butt off. Like, what do you want? Versus having a conversation saying, everyone else closed, you know, on average, 15 tickets this week, and you were closing five. So what's up? right like the the it's a much more open conversation versus just coming down on someone for not doing well quote unquote right mm -hmm. it it is a lot easier to go to someone with metrics and say what you know what's going on yep. did you did you just get a bunch of hard tickets 
or were you were you struggling with something or you know whatever so um sure. thank thank you for running through that real quick um paul do you have any <laughs> yeah i'm up for i'm up for part two for sure um i, I think I the mean, biggest thing is to um <laughs> You know, communicate with your clients. Uh, we as IT professionals, um, you're going to be successful if you realize that you're in the customer service industry and you just happen to do IT. Um, that's that's super important. Uh, everything that you do should be based on relationships and um, keep that in mind and be generous with your time. So um, I said this before, um, if anything, Craig and I have given away probably more services than we, than we should have, but being generous with your time um, it will lend to success in the end. I you call it karma, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But if if you're just if you just make yourself available, and and, and a good example of generosity is, um, I've got a neighbor that owns a very small business. <clears throat> I've helped him out on his computer a couple times, and I didn't charge him for it. Um, he knows a lot of important people, so I am now considered his IT guy. I I didn't need to charge him when I, when I fix this computer, but he has introduced me to other people that will become clients of mine. So just, just being there, um, being present. Um, and, and really we, we've had no, no sales, like no cold calls, no, no marketing. We've done no SEO or anything like that or AdWords rather. Um, and, and we've hit over a million dollars. Um, and it's just because I'm putting myself in the right place at the right time. So going to networking events, being that IT guy, um, being that solution provider. Um, you know, Ian says, yeah, a little can go a long way. It's true. So just just be present, be be gracious and generous with your time. And don't forget, uh, it's all about customer service. Um, anything else that you'd like to add? No, that's great. Excellent uh, summary. Perfect. Um, I just shared out a little button so that way everyone can click it and go to Todd's website. Uh, do you have any um, requirements for somebody um, to work with you? Yeah, it tends to, the, the work that I do tends to work better for organizations that are about 10 plus. If you're a sole operator, um, the, the work that I do is, is maybe um, a bit too um, um, mature up the stack. Um, if, if you're still interested, you know, feel free to sign up for, for my newsletter. I, I do a, um, pretty much a weekly, um, post on all things from management to MSP industry. So, uh, you can get lots of resources there. I'm going to work on, um, some training materials and I'd love some input from people on what they'd like to see on the DIY training materials. But as far as individual coaching and consulting, um, cool. I find the 10 plus, uh, or growing towards 10 plus works really well because there's typically a, an associated uh, revenue clip and also the um, struggles of managing a team past 10 becomes very evident for people. Uh, a single person cannot manage more than 10 to 12 staff uh, independently. So you have to figure out how you actually scale your company. And that's where uh, a lot of the work that I do comes in. Paul, is there anything that you offer to other no, um, IT I, consultants? Going back to being generous with, with your time, um, I just put my LinkedIn there. Um, if you guys want to connect with me or have any questions, I mean, I'm, I'm available. Um, I'll even put up my email if you guys want to email me. Um, any questions that you might have or I'm willing to talk to people on the phone. 
um, you know, not in any sort of official capacity like Todd. Um, but you know, now hearing what Todd does, um, uh, I might connect with him offline and see if he could help us maybe because it's, um, investing in yourself is super important and, uh, you got to continue to do that. So, uh, it's been, it's been really good. So thank you for, uh, for having us. Absolutely. My pleasure. I'm, I'm so grateful that, that I've got guys like you that are able to come and, and take time out of your data to, to do this with me. Um, I, I strongly encourage you guys to, to reach out to Paul and Todd and just get as much information as you possibly can out of them. Uh, even if you have to tie them up and lock them in your basement. I'm in Canada. You um, got to cross the border. <laughs> these, these guys. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I'm going to totally plug it pool party at this well, point. So we have a Slack channel that, uh, that we're a part of. So if you go to itpoolparty.com, yeah. you can sign up, join our Slack. It's been a really good collaboration. Uh, me and this other guy, Chris Burns started it kind of as a joke and it, uh, it grew to, uh, I think there's like three or 400 members from all over the world. I mean, there, there are people from Canada, the UK, uh, Australia. Um, it's been, it's been really cool. So, uh, hit me up in an email if you have any, any issues signing up there, but, uh, but it, it's been a good Slack channel and, um, there's a lot of good guys there. Um, there's one guy in particular that, uh, that I look up to pretty, pretty heavily. Uh, the link is broken. All right. So I'll have to hit up Chris and see why. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, I'll, I'll hit you guys up or just, just shoot me an email if you want an invite to the Slack channel. Oh, that's, is that why? Okay. Run of the W's. That's why. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I added another link in there. You'll see there's one to zoom. Uh, I have a video chat room that runs 24 hours a day. It's even running right now. I'm just not in there. Uh, there are technicians hopping in there literally at all times of the day. So if anyone wants to hop in and just chat with other IT guys, it's, uh, some people call it the fishbowl. Um, I just like to think of it as, you know, a lot of us are, are smaller, uh, maybe one person shops and it's nice to, to have little digital cubicles and just have other people to bounce ideas off of and figure out why something isn't working. Uh, so you guys are always welcome to join that. And uh, I, I think that's possibly awesome. everything. I, awesome. I, I think that's all of it, guys. So thanks so much for attending. Uh, next week, we have two webinars. Uh, one will be on managing your growth. And uh, we're going to have uh, James from Benchmark 365 come in and show us how you can manage growth by outsourcing your help desk and knock. And then we've also got audit, uh, audit for it.com. Check that out. Uh, that's a really cool tool that I think could help with your QBRs and your, and your sales presentations and that kind of stuff. Uh, still not as beautiful as, <laughs> as Paul's. However, it is at least more functional than anything, uh, any of the quoting tools out there will give you. So, um, Come check those out next week. Um, if anyone needs anything, you guys hopefully by now know how to reach me. You'll get a newsletter on Monday morning with a recap of this stuff that we just went over. Y'all have a great day and a great rest of your week. Thanks again, Todd and Paul. And uh, you're right. I think we're going to have to schedule a part two for this because there's still <laughs> guys. so much Thanks, we could have gone over. Cool. Yeah. 
Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today.